Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Time to Eat by Nadia Hussein. Hey, Victoria. Hi, Johnny. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> what you meant to say is that every day is Valentine's Day when you're with me. I'm sure I did. Yeah. Your heart-shaped pizza's in the oven. Oh, thanks. All right. Welcome to <laughs> Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Um, let's get a few housekeeping things out of the way. If you go to our webpage, uh, www.wecookbooks.com, you'll see a store tab that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page. Um, we've got a list of kitchen essentials for home cooks there. We also have a list of some of our favorite cookbooks that we've featured on the Cooking the Books Instagram. And with any purchase you make, it does not cost you one penny more, but we get a little bit in return and it helps support what we do. And we definitely thank you for that. Um, all right. Before we dive into this book, let's talk about what we just finished up. We just finished a book called Bite Me Balance. Uh, it's by Julie Albert and Lisa Nat. Canadians. Mm -hmm. Sisters. Yep. Um, and it was this book that they sent us and we really liked it. So we're like, hey, we'll feature yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, we receive a lot of books from publishers, both independent and uh major and this was one that i think they just self-released and mm -hmm. they sent us this great little care package with uh there was a hoodie in there mm -hmm. there was a little grocery bag mm -hmm. there was a adorable set of measuring spoons that has a one and a half teaspoon which i love one and a half is it a tablespoon or teaspoon? It is teaspoon. It's teaspoon yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a measurement you see very no. often and they're great we use them all the time mm -hmm. now here um so we're looking forward to sharing that book with you um what do we got up next we are going to be feature, or we're going to be starting on East by Mira Soda. Very exciting. Yeah, it's something that multiple, multiple people on Instagram have asked us if we've worked from it or have we tried it. And I know it made a lot of year end lists mm -hmm. last year too, and we're kind of late to the party. I know. But, uh, better late than never, I guess. Well, looking through it this morning, it's like tab, 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 yeah. it, trying to decide. It's, it's bursting with post-its. Yes. Um, most importantly, what do we have for dinner tonight? I don't know. What are we having, Balmer? Besides your heart-shaped Valentine's pizza? <laughs> we actually are having pizza, <laughs> strangely enough. Let's make it a um, heart shape. No heart-shaped pizzas in this household. Uh, it's fortuitous. Oh mushroom and ricotta white pizza mm. from the Bite Me Balance book. That's actually the last dish from that book mm -hmm. that we'll be uh, finishing up. So uh, it's going to be pizza time soon pizza time pizza time <laughs> very excited about that um all right show topic this week most memorable meals and we we put this out on social media we got some fantastic responses mm -hmm. um so maybe we'll start with those um you want me to begin Absolutely. Okay, so this one came via Facebook. It was Lindsay B and this is this is an incredible story. So I'm going to set this up for you. Uh, first, she responds, I was just thinking of this. And in the early 2000s, she had a chance to go to Laval's uh, in Lake Forest. It's a restaurant um, owned by uh, Jim Laval uh, from Apollo 13. 
a real life astronaut. So he and his sons have this place out in Lake Forest, Illinois. And she even remembers the dish she had, gigantic scallops <laughs> with a light roasted red pepper butter sauce or glaze situation. And um, she said not only was the food amazing, but she actually got to meet Jim Lavol. And uh, she shook his hand. And then because she was young and, and starstruck, she asked him what Tom Hanks was like. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's probably met Tom Hanks. I'm sure during the making of the movie, he was consulted or there was an opportunity for them to meet. So oh, not, sure. not as dumb of a question as she's indicating, <laughs> but she asked him what Tom Hanks was like and then felt dumb afterwards. And then uh, she said, uh, you know, anyway, Jim was very gracious and cool. And uh, she had just tried to replicate those scallop dishes, uh, that scallop dish at home using some uh, Aldi scallops, which she says was the equivalent of the Tom Hanks question. (laughs) 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 But uh, she just mentioned how. Note to solve, don't get Aldi scallops. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask Jim Laval about Tom Hanks. That's a fantastic story, and I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, You want to share another one? Yeah. um, um, At Jay is in the kitchen, said eating fresh caught crab with the family at our beach house on Vancouver Island. That sounds lovely. All right. Uh, Our invite must have got lost in the spam folder, because I don't think I received that. Yeah, I don't think it got lost. All right. Uh, Jen T writes, best banh mi in the world is at the old town of Hoi An. Ah. The beautiful simplicity of a banh mi. And I love that it can be someone's like favorite meal. I love it. That's the best. Well, wait till we get to my list and you'll, <laughs> you'll see I share that sentiment. Um, okay. Why don't you share one? Um, Maxwell Gregory 2018 said, um, the girl and the goat takeout meal during quarantine. Um, I've heard nothing but amazing things about the girl and the goat. It's yep. a Stephanie Izzard uh, restaurant for those of you who do not Top know. Top chef. Mm-hmm. One of her many restaurants. It, it was a very, very hard reservation to get unless you booked at four o'clock or half an hour before the kitchen closed. So you're either like 80 or 18. Right. To get, to get into dinner there. Um Great stuff. Yep. And then they also mentioned Sunday Dinner Club, which was kind of a weekly themed dinner party pre-COVID. Uh-huh. Uh, don't know much about it, but I've heard good things about it. So Yeah, I don't know anything good about one. it. Uh, Chopsticks Meets Fork said college graduation meal at 11 Madison Park with her parents. I don't Ooh. think I got that invite either. I, I can't imagine how amazing that would be. Wow, I'm jealous. Yep. <laughs> um, my culinary fix said dinner at Nobu with my sister. Nice. And then uh, lastly, Dom, the home cook, says it was at Alambique last February before the lockdown. Amazing atmosphere, great friends, and some of the most delicious food I've ever had. And this this was not a restaurant I was familiar with, mm-hmm. but I did look up uh, the Instagram and it looked pretty incredible. It's nice that you have like an amazing meal to remember, you yeah. know, like pre-lockdown. That's that's uh, what this what this uh, topic was all about too. Just like these fantastic memories that are associated with food, um, which kind of brings us into our own picks. Uh, you want to start things off? No, I want to hear your first okay. one. I can't wait to hear this. All right, my first one, Los Angeles, two thousand two ish. My first introduction to Roscoe's chicken and waffles. I was on a business trip at the time. Coincidentally. <laughs> Probably the uh, 
worst food experience for you <laughs> prior to me leaving because we got some Indian takeout from uh, Baba Palace. It, it wasn't Indian. I think it was Pakistani. Okay, and it, it but it was like a place right by our our condo in Chicago when we first moved here. I mean, it, the food was really really good. I just got horrible food poisoning. I mean, the restaurant itself had about as much charm as a bus station, and yeah. it was like all cab drivers yeah, chain smoking, the, watching the, a really loud television it was set. Where the te- well, Con Barbecue is exactly like that yes. too, but but our, our you know we would just get takeout mm-hmm. in and out, eat it in the comfort of our own home, mm-hmm. with no chain smoking going on. <laughs> But you got really sick, and, then <laughs> and I you, felt horrible. And you left to California, yep. and it was like the most miserable weekend. Look, see your best food memory is like I'm totally taking over your best no, food memory. No, this is keep, great. Keep talking because I, I thought about it at the time. Well, and it was just so incredible because I had heard you know Roscoe's chicken and waffles. It's been name checked in like Beastie Boys song, and I was so excited. You know, it was definitely kind of a destination during the trip. And I remember there being uh, teenagers in you know, prom attire. So they were making this like a stop pre prom, which I thought was fantastic. Um, so yeah, good one. What do you got? Um, mine is, um, eating grilled crab legs at Renaissance festival after hours. Really? Yes. Okay. It was so fun. It was just this, I can't believe this isn't on your list. Yep. Um, so Someone, you gotta set the story up. So we used to <laughs> we used to work the King Stocks at Renaissance Festival. Huzzah! Um, and we basically, we're paid to drink a lot and make fun of people yes. and insult them. Yes. And that was our job. Yeah. still the best job I've mm-hmm. ever had. Absolutely. Um, and so after hours, uh, we would get all kinds of crazy. Yep. Drink a lot. Um, but one night, somebody had brought like. Pounds upon pounds. I think there were like fifty pounds of crab legs. Yeah, I think they estimated like five pounds per person, and and they were <laughs> grossly est- under us overestimated the amount that we would need. They were. We grilled them. We built fires. Grilled them. Um, it was a big mess. Yep. And then afterwards, there was a beautiful cheesecake and someone had dropped it on the ground oh. but other people like scraped off the dirt hey, and started eating it. after enough drinks a little dirt's not going to kill you <laughs> mm, floor cheese i've got cake. a crab leg story yes you do okay so pre covid it must have been february of 2020 uh-huh. it was one of the last kind of social outings Oh, that, this, this is a this is a different crab leg yes. story than I'm thinking, but so, this is a good one. So our friends Dave and Jackie, who also live here in Chicago, um, had been hosting an annual kind of like crab boil um, every February or whenever it was, and they had they had not had one for a while, and then they their Mm-mm. friend. Oh, yeah, am I, I th- misremembering? Well, I think that their friend had hosted it before, and Dave and Jackie took over. You might be right. Yeah, you might be right. But there was there was an annual crab boil involved, and this was our first invite. And they've got a beautiful house uh-huh. in Chicago. Um, it was packed to the gills of people probably spreading COVID, <laughs> which this, we somehow managed to avoid catching. This is right before lockdown. Like, you know, alarm bells are going off everywhere on the media. 
you know, literally weeks later, everything was shut down. And here we are at this party with like no exaggeration, probably like a few hundred people. And there, there were three different um, dining rooms, like long tables that were packed with people. And, you know, they had to work in shifts. Yes. Uh, apparently the crabs got um, brought in on a freaking semi, like a semi unloaded all yeah. these crab legs. The amount of food was insane. The yes. amount of people was insane. The yep. amount of alcohol was insane. And then the cherry on the top, when we were leaving, someone must have chucked a crab leg over uh over the balcony, because when we were leaving, we saw a rat running down the sidewalk <laughs> with a crab leg in its mouth. Yep. <laughs> no, no lie. <laughs> that's that's the crab leg story. Okay. Um, Here's another crab leg story. Okay. Whoa. Um, right? Welcome to Crab Talk with Johnny and Victoria. <laughs> We've got crabs. <laughs> um, it was when we went to, I booked a trip to Ottawa for your birthday. Yep. And, and this was like, right. We had just, we were kind of coming out of vegetarianism. We had been vegetarians for years Yep. and we went to a fancy dinner one night and we left early and we started drinking and then we go to, okay. I honestly, how we made it to the restaurant and how I even remember, but I had like surf and turf. I had a huge steak and crab legs. Funny how alcohol is kind of a uh, common thread throughout these food stories. <laughs> we sound like the biggest drugs yep. ever. Um, and then, so crab legs are delicious. I don't. I don't think I'd ever eaten crab legs before either. Really? Uh. Uh-uh. First timer, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I just remember waking up in the morning and there was a, a container of cheesecake at the end of the bed. <laughs> we must have got dessert to go. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, did we eat it? Uh, I think we ate it in the morning. Okay. So cheesecake for breakfast. There you go. I my, am mad at that. My first surf and turf ever in beautiful Canada. I got another one for you. Okay. Mid 2000s. Uh, fried oysters at the Santa Rosa Farmer's Market. (gasps) And that was just something we kind of stumbled upon. We just wanted to go check out this farmer's market and there was a stand Mm -hmm. serving fried oysters and it was... Were they fried? No, they they were not fried. They're grilled. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's what I meant to say. (laughs) Big uh, difference, Grilled right in the shell. Yeah. They were were fantastic. Uh, A little bit of hot sauce and some lemon juice. And it was... I just remember it was such a beautiful day. Yep. And then we... Went and drank some I mean, wine. in my mind, I'm just transported right back there. Oh. That, was, that was fantastic. What, do you, what else do you got? So this one is a more personal one. Um, there used to be this uh, pizza place in Minneapolis called Pizza Luce. And my very best friend in the whole world, her name is Heather. And this, this happened when we were, like, we were really just cementing our friendship. Because we worked at a coffee shop together. We went to the same, same school together. We had just had this huge snowstorm. And so Heather came over after, after her last class. And so we just spent the entire night. We drank some wine, ate pizza, and then we had like hours long dance party. It was, I don't know. It was just really special. And you know how much I love pizza luce. So yep. what was, pizza did you have? Do you remember? It was a vegetarian one. I don't remember. Yeah. 
They had good vegetarian mm-hmm. pizzas. Um, I got one for you. April 22nd, 2020, last year during COVID, we weren't able to go out anywhere. We were in the middle of working on Vegetables by Martha Stewart, and we made lacquered short ribs and a celery root puree for our anniversary dinner. And I still think about that. It was amazing. I remember feeling like I wanted to cry after eating yeah. those. <laughs> I remember thinking that this was something I would have paid a lot of money for at a restaurant. And yes. we, and, you know, like we're, we're, we're good cooks, you more than I, but like there's still like there are some dishes where we kind of like amaze ourselves, And this was one of them where I just was like, I cannot believe we made that. And I was so happy to be eating it. So I go. have, I have one last one. Please um, share, share with was, the class. It was dinner at Elizabeth. Um, it's a multi-course tasting menu. Uh, we, I'm so glad we did not get the wine pairing. Yes. Cause it, it was, 12 courses. Elena Reagan yeah. is the chef. Um, it was 12 courses. And we started out with a cocktail and then um, and then we had a glass of wine. But it, and it was delicious. Everything was beautiful and it was a it was communal seating and we're, it's funny because we were at this table with all these professional people like doctors and lawyers and we're like yeah, we build guitar battles. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a really, really long dinner. It was delicious. Thank God we did not get the wine pairing because yes. I was ready to pass out from from fatigue by the end of it. I I share that sentiment. But it was so good. Yes, agreed. I got one more. Okay, last one, and then we'll get to the book. Uh, late two thousands, I believe. Um, there was, uh, people are probably familiar with this outstanding in the field. Yes. And, uh, they host farm dinners, dinners outside, generally, you know, on a farm, on a, at a vineyard, on a beach, um, a, a variety of places. And then they'll have a guest chef come in and prepare a multi-course meal. You make reservations ahead of time. And then you sit at a big, giant, long communal table that can seat anywhere from, you know, sometimes 50, sometimes 100. Um, always a great vibe. Uh, the weather for this particular one at Kinnikinnick Farm, which is kind of on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin, was gorgeous. Great summer night. And um, do you remember who the chef was? Because I wanted to say it was Paul Kahan because I know he did one of these. And then I know we did another one with Mindy Siegel from Hot Chocolate. But I want to say this one that we did was, was it was either Paul Kahan or Paul Verant. It was Paul Verant. Okay. From V Restaurant yes. here in Chicago. So I, I couldn't really tell you like the specifics of what we ate, although I do think we have the menu from it floating around somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to dig it out and refresh my memory, but just a fantastic setting for a fantastic night of food and and meeting new people. I remember we met someone that actually took a limo there from Chicago, which is, you know, not cheap unless you have your own personal driver, which this guy may have had because I remember asking him what he did and it involved like money, money. And, and you're like, derivatives what? And- <laughs> And then, and then the limo broke down on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
First the limo breaks down, then the stock market crashes. Where's that guy now? <laughs> Who knows? All right. So those are some great, great, uh, great stories. And uh, I'm I hope so, you, I hope you guys weren't bored. No, I, I'm, and I'm so thankful for everyone for sharing uh, their picks because that, that was a fun, fun topic. Um, well, let's let's get into time to eat by uh, Nadia Hussein, uh, 2015 Great British Baking Show winner. Um, how would, how would you describe this book? What's the POV? I would say it's a good book for people who, people who are busy. Um, there's a lot of tips about freezing, using every bit of scrap. Um, uh, you can busy make, or lazy. Busy it appeals or to both. Lazy. <laughs> In our case, <laughs> it's lazy. <laughs> um, and just simple, really flavorful food that yep. doesn't take a long time. Emphasis on like meal planning uh-huh. and utilizing leftovers and your freezer, um, especially if you're cooking for a large family. Uh-huh. Um, the book itself contains 100 recipes with um, some handy keys indicating like what can be made ahead of time, what can be frozen, what can be doubled up. Um, in portion size so that you have leftovers or if you're doing meal prep um, the chapters are simply divided into you know breakfast lunch dinner dessert um, we had no trouble finding stuff to make nope um, you want to talk a little bit about what we made yeah um, just as a quick rundown um, we did a savory french toast uh, a Thai red pepper soup, um, puree drumsticks with fries and pea mash, uh, jackfruit curry and no yeast, no yeast nan, um, chorizo fish stew with garlic bread, and chicken shawarma. All right. You want to talk about that savory French toast? Breakfast for dinner. Yeah. Well, it, it turns out that savory French toast was basically like, well, it, it's, it gets filled um, yes. It's basically a kind of like a grilled cheese sandwich and French toast. If they had a baby. If they had a baby. Yep. And we filled ours with mortadella and Havarti. Yep. And it was melty and delicious. There was a time when I had mortadella sandwiches almost every day you, for lunch. You I, did. When and I had to pack a lunch for work. He goes through these um, food phases where he will eat something every day for months and months and months until he finally gets tired of it. Yep. And he went through a mortadella now I'm having an affair with smoothies in the morning. <laughs> and that hasn't really wavered. I've no, been, it's, it's I've been, been a couple having, years. Yeah. I started out on the smoothie thing, but then yeah. I was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't. And well, now you put all this ridiculous bullshit in it, like <laughs> flax seeds, and you put all your vitamins in it. It and is it just, kind of a kitchen sink smoothie. <laughs> Want to talk about the red, the Thai red pepper soup? Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a... Red pepper soup. It's not. It's not breaking any new ground. Um, there were some spicy seeds where you take sunflower seeds and and kind of toss them in with uh, sugar, paprika, granulated garlic, a um, little bit of coconut. I, th- I thought that kind of elevated the dish a bit. It did. Gives it gave it a little bit of texture. Mm-hmm. It acted as a flavor bomb. And they were great on their own as a little mm-hmm. snack. So make extra. <laughs> All right, puree drumsticks. Um, well, obviously the chicken was the star. Of, yes. Well, because it was puree drumsticks, uh, fries, and pea mash. Uh, the chicken was 
lovely and spicy. So if I recall, the recipe just called for like frozen French fries. Yes, it did. And so rather than that, we just got some baby potatoes and fried them up in the air fryer. Yeah, made some wedges. But I mean, who are we kidding? We're all here for the spicy chicken drumsticks. Mm-hmm. Although the one, one thing, the for me, the peas had too much red onion in it. Goddamn red onion. Yeah, I feel like red onion is one of those things that you just have to use in moderation because the minute you're throwing raw red onion in something, it just overwhelms. I feel kind of the same way about shallots too. I agree. So the, the only critique I had of this particular recipe was the the ratio in the spice recipe called for like entire one and a half ounce jars of uh, each of paprika, chili powder, oregano, ginger, and granulated garlic. <laughs> so by the time you're done making this, you would have had like a, a giant container of this spice mixture but, left over. But here's the thing. Then you have the spice mixture. I know. You I have know. it left over so that you won't have to make it the I, next time. I feel you. But so we, we dialed it back to <laughs> yeah, a more modest volume because we didn't need a, a giant container that we just end up throwing out later on. Plus, I don't want to use up all my spices. <laughs> I need paprika and granulated garlic for other stuff. <laughs> this is true. Okay. We got to talk about the one swing and a miss Ooh, from this book. A hard miss. Oof. Jackfruit curry with no yeast nan. So now, uh, to begin, jackfruit, we're, we're fans. We've mm-hmm. had it before. Well, and we've, this, we've done both fresh and canned. This called for canned, which yep. is way easier than, uh, or quicker than than uh, fabricating a jackfruit on your own. Which you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses an exceptional amount of garlic. Ten cloves. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Well, and here's the thing. It only co- it only cooks for like 10 minutes. It doesn't cook. For- you add a little bit of water and simmer it until the water goes away. That garlic n- was so sharp and bitter. It needed to be that would that this dish would have benefited greatly from a long cook time. Yeah. Because that garlic and those onions should have been sweated. It ended up being this mix of like bitter and sour and it was not pleasant. And I think we kind of discovered this as we were making it. So we're, we're tasting as we're going and we just were like, this is not going to happen. So this, this was kind of a lesson in why we keep an emergency frozen pizza in the, in the freezer it was for in, these occasions. It was inedible. <laughs> it was, we got a good photo out of it. We did get a photo. I think reworked, it would have been, it could be like a very successful, delicious di- yeah. dish. But the, yeah, so much garlic and just, I mean, and I'm all for a lot of garlic. Yeah. Cool. Bring it on. But it really needed to be like cooked down. Usually if a recipe calls for like a clove or two of garlic, we're like, oh, how cute. That's a good starting point. And then we'll like double that. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing for me, and maybe it's just something in my head. The garlic was um, uh, made into a paste, like the garlic and the onion gets uh, That's right. hit in the food processor. And for me, I feel like that makes it exceptionally bitter. Yeah. So... But yeah, eh. well, the the nan was kind of cracker like in texture, which is not like what we're used to. I, you know, it's it's not a flaw in the recipe. It's no. just like the type of well, of yeah, nan it's and, not leavened or yeah. anything. So, but I guess we would just prefer like pillowy nan that you can <laughs> rest your head on. This was not that. Then again, it wasn't sold to be that. So. Yes. Um, 
Next dish was the chorizo fish stew and garlic bread. Probably my favorite dish from the book and probably the most surprising one for me. It was quick. It was so delicious. And the first time that we were able to have a uh, basa yes. fish. Which I had is, never heard of it. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a, a catfish. That originates in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. I believe the where we get ours from, uh, I think they source it from Vietnam. Yes. And uh, this has now become a regular... Anytime a recipe calls for like a sturdy white fish... Yeah. Um, that's our go-to. It's inexpensive. Um, we love it. Can't say enough good about it. And we have to thank Nadia for yes. introducing us because that's what the recipe calls for. Um, we're weird about seafood because we're in Chicago. So it's not, I mean, we're getting better. I think every time we have like a fish dish, we're like, oh, we need to have this more often. So like, but it's just, it's tough to source here. Yes, we're aware there's a big lake to the east of us. I, but don't, I don't think anyone wants to eat <laughs> no. anything out of Lake Michigan. No. You, you will grow another head. Yes. Um, this called for adding salmon trimmings to the stew, which we did not do. Instead, we had some bacon on hand. Uh-huh. Not the same thing, but <laughs> it was delicious. Salmon trimmings just sounded weird to me. Uh, I didn't I think mean, it was going to be my jam. It, it, it it's just kind of funny because it's like such a specific like salmon trimmings. Yes, <laughs> we don't we don't have salmon trimmings. Yes, but uh, so we added bacon along with this chorizo, so you get this nice like porky stew with this fish in it. It was really good. And let's talk about those whole homemade garlic rolls. Uh, it's just like a regular like white roll. Yeah, that's. Uh, pillowy and yummy and soft but then and then you um brush it with butter and some chopped garlic and sprinkle a little parsley, parsley. On top. oh it's so good and, and since first having this dish we've actually made those rolls a, a few more mm-hmm. times and we actually have some in the freezer right now so they freeze really well and they're just a great you know option for when you need that hit of carbs yep. with your dinner um fantastic dish um, and then lastly, chicken shawarma. Chicken shawarma. We probably like once every couple of weeks, you know, we do, we'll do takeout like maybe once a week, maybe once a week. Yeah. Um, and there's a place that we order from called Falafel Dream. They have beautiful shawarma. Yep. Shawarma. Um, and this, this is a. Nick Sharma's beautiful too. <laughs> <laughs> he writes great cookbooks, yes. and I'm obsessed with his Twitter. Yep. Um, but, uh, but this shawarma, I do, it was delicious. I love the fact that it called for thighs rather than breasts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think thighs are far superior. Yes. Um, so the flavor's at. Yes. And, but I do, I do think it would have benefited from, because it gets layered, uh, it gets layered into a bread pan and then weighted down. And I do think it would have... It was like a new technique for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it would have benefited uh, from sitting in the pan for overnight. Yeah. Um, just to like soak up some some of the spices and stuff. And then there was an accompanying uh, broccoli slaw, mm-hmm. which was also kind of a new thing for us. I was a little bit dubious about it. But then um, once we made it, it, it was great. It was fantastic. When it comes to broccoli, I'm just kind of like, meh. Yeah. Like the, 
But you, you combine broccoli florets with Greek yogurt and then some mustard seeds and powder. So it had this nice little hit. Little bites. Yeah. And I love that it used called for yogurt rather than mayonnaise. Like yes. If it would have called for mayonnaise, I'd have been like, no, I'm not, I'm not eating this. Yes. So before we get to our own rankings for the book, um, per usual, our new segment, I went on Amazon found the most critical reviews of the book. And there were two. And uh, I guess we can each do one in our uh, I would like to speak to the manager voice. Um, you want to start things off? Yes. This is from Denise K. Who oh, gave Denise. It, who, gave, <laughs> who gave it two out of five stars. Always causing trouble, that Denise. Recipe is not easy, hard to find all that you need for them. Yep. That was the sentence. Yep. Recipes not easy, hard to find all that you need for them. That is a word salad. Yep. And use some punctuation, Denise. And you're wrong, Denise. The Oxford comma is your friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, this... it's hard to find. The recipes are easy. This couldn't have been easy. I mean, maybe jackfruit is exotic to you, but you can get that at Trader Joe's. Yeah. Um, anonymous. They didn't even bother to submit their <laughs> real name. So Anonymous gave it two out of five stars, said a bit disappointed. I really wanted to like this book because I love Nadia, but recipes are more time consuming than they seem. And most importantly, ingredients are not easy to find. Are these people shopping at a gas station? I don't know. <laughs> because I mean, this book has an emphasis on like quick, easy meals using accessible ingredients to the point where like, you know, even something like breadcrumbs, like she's not giving, she's not instructing you to make them from scratch. No. She's just like store-bought breadcrumbs mm -hmm. or, you know, a can of this or a can of that. So um, not afraid to take shortcuts when necessary in the interest of saving some time. Yes. Um, yeah, this is not a book where you need to like source ingredients. We've had books like that. Mm -hmm. um, this is not that. Little side note, a reason that we've never cooked and featured any of the Sean Brock books um is because like he has some very specific like heirloom Regi grains and regional stuff regional ingredients that we just you know unless you're gonna order them online we just cannot source them mm -hmm. and i don't feel like we could do any of those recipes justice by making all these crazy substitutions that we'd have to make so yeah i mean substituting one thing is fine but when you are substituting <laughs> half the recipe why bother <laughs> All right, you want to jump into the rankings? Uh, yes. Before we eat our pizza? Yes. All right. Uh, let's start with food photography and styling. Uh, I gave it a four. Yep. Um, it, the photography, it was light and airy. Um, it was mostly close-ups of food. There were some photos of Nadia, who she is so adorable. Like her face is just a ray of sunshine. Yeah. Her, her personality definitely comes through in the photographs. Yeah. Um, and there were some action shots, not really like step-by-step -step how to's. It was just her different parts of making a dish or right. whatever. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I gave it a four as well. Uh -huh. Um, photos are taken from a slight angle. Um, not overhead, not straight on. The good old 45 degree. Yeah, and um, I think most of the recipes had like a companion photograph of the finished dish mm -hmm. so you could see what it what it's supposed to look like. Um, beautifully styled with both props and little like side bowls of, you know, various condiments and, and, and uh, ingredients. 
plenty of action shots, like you said, with with Nadia, um, which really captured her personality. Mm-hmm. No complaints. What about uh, design and layout? Um, I gave it a four. Um, I liked that uh, there on every page there was uh, at the bottom there's a total time an active time, which means where you're actually working. Um, And then there were also little indications as to whether you, you mentioned this earlier, whether it can be made ahead, Mm -hmm. whether you can freeze it, whether you can double it. Um, The recipes were super simply written. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Low ingredient count. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You basically just echoed everything that I had. Uh, Chapter titles are really simply divided into breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. So it makes it really easy to kind of plan a menu. Um, You know, the emphasis of course is on like meal prep and, and making enough for leftovers and just taking the stress out of cooking and cooking for a family. And um, even though we don't have kids, I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. So, and, and it didn't, it didn't mean that we were neglected or that we couldn't find stuff to make because like everything that we made was great. Um, so I gave it a four as well. Okay. What'd you um, give it for a degree of difficulty? I gave it a one. Okay. Um, we've, we've talked about this on previous episodes, but I mean, if you are a beginner cook, you have, you know, what you need in your kitchen to cook for yourself. I don't think you'd have any problem executing any of these dishes. Pretty simple stuff. The The instructions were very clear. Um, no complaints. I can't see anyone having any, any issues. And, and because you're not expected to make every single thing from scratch, you can buy some of these things pre-made at the grocery store and it just makes, you know, the, recipe easier to to execute and to follow um yeah what did you have uh i was gonna give it a two but i think i'll go 1.5 all right (laughs) i convinced you (laughs) i I pled my case successfully um yeah basically everything you said there's there's not one single recipe where i would read it and scratch my head and be like what now yeah or there's there's no instruction where you know sometimes when you read a recipe you have to like read certain parts a few right. times because you're like hold on and for what it's worth I did notice in the acknowledgments section that she thanked like three different people for recipe testing so you know there was some some effort made to make sure that these recipes were successful and and concise and that, you know, other people could follow them. And um, I think they were successful. That jackfruit one must have slipped through the cracks. (laughs) Maybe it's just like a flavor profile that we just don't don't appreciate. I don't know, but what's the flavor profile? Like bitter and sour. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So for taste, I gave it a 3.5. Okay. I thought the flavors, here's the thing. For the amount of time that things take, I thought the flavor was good. Yes. That being said, if you were to let things go longer, marinate longer, mm-hmm. what have you, you, it would be more impactful. Um, but obviously, that is not what this is. Yeah. But the horrible jackfruit recipe just kind of brought it down a little bit for me. Agreed. 
Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And I, and I do agree with your, you know, like you could definitely coax a little bit more flavor out of these dishes with, uh, you know, increasing the, the cooking time. I don't think the, like the seasoning or the flavor necessarily suffered because these were, these recipes all had a lot of spices and, so I, I really appreciated that, that even though they're quick and easy, it doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice, you know, they're not bland. Well, no, but that was my whole point. Like that chicken shawarma had right. it sat overnight. It would have been Absolutely. like, boom. Yeah. But um, I think you said something about cooking time, like longer cooking time. Yes. You don't want to, you don't need a longer cooking time. No, like, <laughs> like for instance, a jackfruit dish, if that had been allowed to oh, simmer, yeah, yeah. maybe yes. the results would have been different. Um, yeah. Okay. There you go. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it and review. Uh, you can find us on the web at wecookbooks.com, as well as Instagram at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. And production assistance was provided by Danny Schaefer. All right. Thanks, Thank Danny. You, Danny. All right. You know what time it is? Make me laugh. I got a special one for you. This okay. is kind of, you know, as we mentioned earlier, this is like being recorded on Valentine's Day. So this this kind of perfectly encaps, encapsulates the spirit of romance and, and Valentine's Day. So there's this older couple. They're dining at a restaurant. They order a couple sandwiches and the waiter brings them out. Uh, the old man starts eating right away and the woman is just sitting there. And, uh, you know, staring at the food, the, the waiter, after a few minutes, notices this, and he comes by the table to, you know, just inquire and see how things are going. And um, the old woman says nothing, and she's just kind of staring at the man. And uh, finally, he says, oh, the sandwiches are delicious, but she can't eat hers because I'm using her teeth right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Wear a mask. Be safe. Thanks for listening.